Let's turn for our scripture reading this morning to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Text for the sermon this morning is verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are differences of opinion amongst commentators as to how exactly to understand the words of our text. And the differences of opinion come with the figure of speech that's being used here. There are some commentators who say that the first part of the psalm, the first four verses, obviously has the figure of the shepherd and the sheep. But then, here in verse 5 and in verse 6, there's a total change in the figure of speech so that the figure of shepherd and sheep is entirely gone and now you have only the figure of a host and guests at his feast. Other commentators will argue that no, the figure of the shepherd and the sheep is the one only figure that's used throughout the psalm from beginning to end. Then there are still others who say that here in verse 5 there's a mixing of those two ideas. That there's still the figure of the shepherd and the sheep and there's also the idea of a host and the guests. There is biblical warrant for understanding the text that way as a kind of mixing of those two ideas. 2 Samuel chapter 12, the prophet Nathan comes to David to confront him with respect to his sins. And in doing so, tells David a story about a man who had a precious little ewe lamb. And that precious ewe lamb he treated like one of his own children. And one of the things that we read there is that the man takes that ewe lamb to his table to eat with him there. 
This morning as we consider this word of God, we're going to make use of both of those ideas. The idea of the shepherd and sheep is not lost here. There is also the added idea of God as the gracious host who welcomes us, stubborn, sinful sheep, to his table. What the text is teaching us is another of the ways in which God, as our Father and our Shepherd, provides comprehensively for us. The theme of Psalm 23 is set forth in the opening verse. The fact that we have Jehovah as our shepherd means that we don't lack, we don't want anything. If we have God as our shepherd, then we have all of our needs supplied. And the way in which God supplies our needs is spelled out concretely in the rest of the psalm. Having Jehovah God as our shepherd Verse 2 teaches us that we don't lack for rest and for peace. Verse 3, we confess that having Jehovah God as our shepherd, we do not lack for his guidance and his restoration of us. In verse 4, we confess that having Jehovah God as our shepherd, we don't lack for his presence and his comfort as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now here in verse 5, another of the ways in which God provides for us is set forth. Having Jehovah God as our shepherd, we do not lack for the nourishment of our souls that we stand in need of. But not only does our Heavenly Father provide for us, as it were, just enough, bare minimum, He provides for us lavishly. He provides for us a wealth and an abundance so that partaking of the nourishment that He provides, we confess, my cup runs over. Let's consider this word of God this morning under the theme, my shepherd's table. First of all, let's note the gracious host, secondly, the rich provision, and then thirdly, the full satisfaction. There is in the text the idea of God, who is our shepherd, also as the gracious host who welcomes us into his fellowship and to his table. Significant that the text, when it describes God's care for us, that it uses the figure of a table. Thou preparest a table before me. In the scriptures, the idea of a table is a symbol of warm fellowship and intimate friendship. One of the places where that idea comes through is in Psalm 128, verse 3, which describes the warm fellowship of a family around the table. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. 
table in Scripture is more than just a feeding trough, a place to fill one's belly. The table represents warm communion and fellowship that's enjoyed around that table. It's there at the table that we assemble together with family and friends, those that we love in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's around the table that we practice hospitality and we welcome others into our home, not just to share a meal, but to to share our life. That concept is largely lost in the world in which we live today. Life in this world is so busy, it's so fast-paced, and the men and women of this world have one pursuit, it's the pursuit of pleasure and possessions and money. That the idea of a table is nothing more than a nice piece of furniture in one's home. There is a danger for us in that respect as well. That in all of the busyness of life and all the responsibilities that we have that pull us away from the home, that what suffers is the fellowship that we have one with another around the table. But again, the table is not just a feeding trough. The table is a place that represents the warmth of our Fellowship and the intimacy of our love one for another. The text uses that figure and in doing so describes the fellowship and the warm communion that we have with God. It's in God's house that we dwell. It's to His table that we're called and As his children, he sets each of us in our place around his table. What that represents to us is the precious truth of the covenant. Which, as you're well aware, is the relationship of warm fellowship and communion that we have with God in Jesus Christ. God is our Father, He's our friend. And having established His covenant with us, He draws us into the warmth and the intimacy of communion and life with Him. And that really encompasses and summarizes what the Christian life is. The Christian life is life with God. It's life dwelling in His presence, basking in His love and His favor. It's life that we live with Him, dwelling with Him, walking with Him, talking with Him. The life of the covenant is life in which God, as our Father and our friend, speaks to us, instructing us, correcting us, comforting us. And it's life with God in which we have opportunity to speak to Him and the confidence that His ear is always open to our cries. This life of communion and fellowship is life that we live all of our life and in all of our callings, not just on the Sabbath day, but all of the other days of the week. But that fellowship and communion with God comes to one of its highest expressions here on this earth, on the Sabbath day, 
here in the house of God in our worship of Him. The nature of our worship is fellowship and communion with God where we're drawn into His presence. At the heart of our worship is the Word of God so that we hear Him in fellowship with Him as He speaks to us of His love, as He speaks to us the truth of the gospel of salvation in His Son. And the nature of our worship is a response of thankful love for Him whereby we worship Him and we give expression to our thanks singing and our prayers and the other aspects of our worship. That fellowship and communion is also demonstrated as we assemble together to partake of the Lord's Supper. There's a table set before us. And though because of practical reasons we're not all able to, to come together and sit down together around a table for this holy meal, that's the truth of what's conveyed here. We assemble together as the family of God to partake of the meal that He's provided and to enjoy fellowship and communion with Him. Not only is that a reality in the Lord's Supper, that we have communion with God here this morning, but the Lord's Supper also represents that this is the truth of the whole of the Christian life. What we know and what we experience here this morning is the truth and the reality of the whole of our life. The whole of the Christian life is life with God, and communion with Him, and the comfort of His abiding love. God shows Himself to be a gracious Father, a gracious shepherd, a gracious host, bringing us into communion with Him. The graciousness of God's bringing us into fellowship with Him is indicated in a couple of different ways in the text. One of them is the fact that in verse 5, that idea of the sheep is not abandoned and lost. The ones that God takes into fellowship and communion with Him are not the high and mighty, but are lowly, undeserving sheep. Those who by nature are stubborn and rebellious and difficult. We don't deserve to sit down at His table and to have fellowship with Him. It's entirely the work of God in His grace. Graciousness of God is also indicated by the fact that the text says, Thou preparest a table before me. It's God's home. It's God's table. It's God's meal that He prepares. And that's grace. And the graciousness of God here is also indicated by the fact that He prepares this table before us in the presence of our enemies, as poor, defenseless sheep encircled by all kinds of predators that would seek to devour and destroy us, He brings us into the safety of communion with Him at His table. And though we ourselves by nature are enemies, He draws us as His children and His friends. That's grace. How gracious is our God 
establishing and maintaining his covenant of friendship with us. Not on account of who we are or what we've done that we're brought into communion with him. It's not on account of who we are or what we've done that we remain in communion and fellowship with him. It's not on account of who we are or what we've done that we have a a rich meal that satisfies set before us. From beginning to end, the graciousness of our God and our Father. How blessed are we by the grace of God to know Him, to commune with Him, to dwell in fellowship with Him and in the confidence of His love for us. God in His grace not only draws us into communion with Him, but in His grace He also provides for us Spiritual nourishment that we stand in need of. Sheep need to be fed. If a shepherd cares for all of the other needs of a sheep, if the shepherd guides them on the right path that they're supposed to go, and the shepherd protects them against the the wolves that lurk, doesn't provide for them the food and drink that they need, then the sheep perish. Sheep need nourishment, and they need a shepherd to provide that for them. Sheep are foolish, stubborn creatures that cannot provide for themselves. They might stumble upon what's good for them, and yet be led away to devour what's poisonous, what's going to make them sick to the stomach. They might happen upon a pasture of green grass and then foolishly be led astray to wander from that. They need a shepherd who will lead them to the green pastures and bring them to to rest and to be fed and satisfied there. And the same thing is true for us. By nature are foolish and rebellious and wayward sheep. God in His grace has given to us spiritual life. Uniting us to His Son, giving us His Holy Spirit, causing us to be born again. And that spiritual life that God has given to us needs continually to be fed and nourished. There's a similarity between that spiritual life and our physical life. God has given us physical life. And what we need is continually to have that physical life nourished and sustained. The difference, of course, is that God having given us spiritual life, we can never lose that. It can never be taken away and and we can perish. He gives us that spiritual life. That spiritual life is ours and can never be taken away and lost and Still, that spiritual life needs to be nourished and sustained. We sense that and know that in our own life. As we go through life as redeemed children of God, there's so much that leaves us 
exhausted and, and weary. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, which means that one of the things that we face is the reality of spiritual enemies. There's the ongoing battle against the devil and against the world and all of the temptations and the pressures that we face. And there's the daily battle against our own sins and our own sinful natures. We need to be fed. We need to be nourished and sustained so that we're able to continue on in that battle of faith and in the struggle against sin and temptation. There's the fact, as the preceding verse of the psalm says, that there are times God leads us through the deep, dark valley of trials and hardships and afflictions. And walking in that way of difficulty, we're exhausted, we're weary from the bearing of those burdens. We need to be fed, we need to be nourished and strengthened in our souls so that we can continue to, to press on in the deep, dark valley. We need a shepherd who will provide for us that nourishment that we need. We don't have the means and the capabilities and the power in ourselves to provide for what we need. We're wholly dependent upon our Father and our shepherd to provide for us the nourishment of our souls that we need. And in His grace, He does that. And in His grace, not only does He provide for us the, the bare minimum, enough just to, to keep getting by, but according to the Word of God here, He provides for us a wealth, an abundance, it's indicated in the text by the three different figures that are used. First of all, verse 5 says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And what's being conveyed there is uh, a lavish feast. Where the table is set and all of the, the fine china is laid out and there's heaps and heaps of food that's set out on the table to provide abundantly for those who are set down there. Then the figure in verse 5 that's used next is, Thou anointest my head with oil. In the dry, dusty climate of Palestine, there was always the danger of one's skin being chapped. And a host who welcomed guests into his home would offer them a bit of oil to anoint their bodies and to keep from their skin being chapped. It was a display of hospitality, of concern, and of honor for one's guest. And then verse 5 concludes, My cup runneth over. When a host would assemble guests at his house, he would often take a cup and he'd fill it up with wine. 
And then when the cup was filled right up to the brim, rather than stopping, the guest would continue, the host would continue to pour wine into the cup so that it's spilling down over the, the sides of the cup. And what that demonstrated is partly that the host was so glad that the guests were there, that he was honored to have them in his home. And what it also was intended to convey is that he has enough to provide for them. They're not going to leave his table lacking, still hungry and thirsty, but he has more than enough to provide for them. He has a, an abundance so that he can even fill up the cup and it can run over and it can spill and as it were be wasted on the ground. Because there's an abundance that's provided. The cup runs over. So God in His grace causes our cup to run over with the abundance of spiritual blessings. But our Good Shepherd provides for us at its very heart at the Lamb. The table that's prepared before us, there's the lamb. And the cup that overflows to us is filled with the blood of the lamb that's been shed for us at the cross. And it's this especially that causes us to see and understand the lavishness of God in His grace to us. God did not spare any expense to provide for us and to provide our needs and to satisfy our souls. He provided for us what is most dear and most precious, what is beyond what we're able to, to account. His only begotten Son. His blood, which is infinitely more precious than gold and silver and dollar bills. This alone that feeds, nourishes us. Our hungry and thirsty souls are fed and satisfied alone with Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Belonging to Jesus Christ and partaking of Him our cup runs over with, with blessings and benefits. Partaking of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, we have the forgiveness of our sins and deliverance from the guilt and the awful shame of our sins. Belonging to Jesus Christ, we have deliverance from sin's power and sin's pollution. Belonging to Jesus Christ, we have protection and Safety in His care from all of the enemies that encircle us. Belonging to Jesus Christ and Him crucified, we have strength to carry out our callings in the midst of this world. Belonging to Jesus Christ and Him crucified, we receive strength and grace to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and to bear up under the trials and the hardships that He sends upon us. Belonging to Jesus Christ, we have a friend and a family when we're lonely. 
have all of our needs supplied so that we don't lack or want for anything. God feeds us on Jesus Christ primarily through the preaching of the gospel as the gospel proclaims Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus Christ gives Himself to us and we partake of Him by faith. And that's represented to us in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this morning as well. The reality of the Lord's Supper is that we do partake of Jesus Christ, not physically with the hand in the mouth, but spiritually by faith. And not only do we partake of Jesus Christ here and now at the table, but what the table represents is that we partake of Jesus Christ all of our life long. And all of our life, God provides for us Jesus Christ, the Lamb and the bread of life. That it's alone by Him that our souls are fed and nourished to everlasting life. Knowing fellowship with God, partaking by faith of Jesus Christ, we are fully satisfied. Conveyed in the text. By the fact that this is a confession that's made. The text doesn't simply state objectively. God prepares a table before his people. And anoints their heads. And makes their cup run over. The text is a personal confession of, of the child of God. Thou preparest a table before me. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over. And it's a confession that's born out of the knowledge and the confidence of what we have in Jesus Christ. Sinfully, we're often tempted to look for satisfaction in all of the wrong places. We might be tempted to look for the satisfaction of our soul in some Sin and the pursuit of that sin. Or in the things of this world, if we just have the, the, the money and the possessions and the pleasures that this life has to offer, then it'll fill that hole in our stomach. Or the praise of others, if others will only affirm us and, and build us up, well then we'll be, be satisfied. But none of these things can satisfy. They might taste sweet in the moment, but there's only Bitterness in the stomach afterwards. What satisfies our souls is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Only Jesus Christ and Him crucified can and does satisfy. He alone is the one that removes our hunger and our thirst. Gives us peace, joy, happiness, and full satisfaction. He alone gives strength to continue on in our life in the midst of this world.
taste of that, and we know that this morning, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Our good shepherd and our loving Father has prepared a meal for us. And that meal is not earthly bread and wine, but it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And as our Father, He welcomes us to His table, not on account of who we are, but in His grace and for the sake of Jesus Christ, He's prepared a place for us at this table. He calls us then to come to eat and to drink by faith in Christ. Eating and drinking of this meal by faith. Our hungry and thirsty souls are satisfied. And the confession that's on our mouth as we leave God's house this morning is this. Thou preparest a table before me. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we're thankful for thy word of truth. Apply that to our hearts by thy spirit. By it cause us to be nourished and fed in Jesus Christ. Bless us now as we partake of the sacrament of his broken body and his shed blood. Grant a blessing also as we partake so that our souls are satisfied in him. Give our sins, receive us to this table in mercy, for Jesus' sake, amen.